Good morning, church family. I am so glad to see you here. I know there are some families that are traveling today. There are some households that have been affected by some uh, sickness and illness going around, but uh, Pastor Aaron and his wife and family are down south visiting family, and it was just a great opportunity for me to give this to them as a Christmas present. I really uh, am thankful to have this opportunity, and, and it's always a joy to bring the message uh, to this wonderful church family. I love each and every one of you. Merry Christmas. So I learned a new term for what we can call today. Uh, we can call today Christmas Adam because Adam came before Eve. And I'd never heard that before. I don't know if has anybody ever heard that. So today is Christmas Adam. So Merry Christmas Adam. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve and we will have a Christmas Eve service here led by uh, David and Myra and uh, the gang. But Raise your hand if you're excited to open Christmas presents. Is anybody really excited to open Christmas presents? Okay, a few of you. Maybe uh, some of them are a little younger than others. Now, raise your hand if you're really excited, more excited to actually give someone a gift. Yeah, so that may be their parents <laughs> or their loved ones. Um, so the rest of you who didn't raise your hand for either one, you know, I think your stocking probably says uh, Scrooge or the Grinch or something like that, but... But uh, Christmas uh, presents, that's a, you know, a really difficult thing sometimes. When I think back of great Christmas gifts that I've received, one came to my mind almost immediately when I was uh, about 11, I think I was 11 years old, maybe 1982 era. So um, I found out a couple weeks in advance what my parents got me. I actually had asked for a Sony Walkman, uh, you know, the new amazing personal cassette players with the headphones, and I've, I discovered, and uh, not just by accident, but I discovered that they got me uh, uh, a different brand of, of a personal cassette player, and I was just so excited. And that actually probably made it a little bit more difficult uh, waiting, you know, because I knew exactly what I was getting, and uh, but I was counting down the days. I was really just anxious. I was really waiting. And that sense of anticipation, I think, is, is one of the aspects of, of Christmas. You know, when we think about that first Christmas, the, the sense of anticipation, the sense of waiting. Now, probably now, it's a little bit more difficult to think about what do I really want. One, I want for less. Or maybe even more specifically, the things I want are, are a little bit more technical or maybe more expensive, and it's not like just anybody could, could get me anything. My wife is always pretty good about getting me a book. Now, I can always, I can read a lot of different things, but she's really good about finding that special book that um, maybe I wouldn't pick out for myself, or maybe she had read it or heard something about it, and, and so that's always a good gift. If you're wondering what to get me, a book is always a great choice, but... Oh. <laughs> So you're not really thinking about getting me gifts, but you're thinking about getting other people gifts. And that can be quite a challenge sometimes. So what does it take to find the perfect gift for someone else? What do you have to like, think about? What do you have to go through in your mind? And I came up with a couple of, of, of principles about that that I think that are applicable uh, for our message today. One, knowing that person really intimately and deeply. Knowing what they like, what they don't like, obviously, but maybe knowing things about them uh, that just the ordinary or average other person wouldn't know. 
and then understanding their needs and their desires, so something that they want or something that they need and maybe wouldn't get for themselves. Those always, I find, are, are great gifts. But wanting to really satisfy them when you start thinking about what is really going to make that person happy. And then maybe they wouldn't, like I said, be able to get it for themselves. Or maybe um, it's just something that you would provide for them that would really make their, their gift receiving amazing. And I think that's exactly what God has done for us. He's giving us things that we need and want. And he knows us so deeply and intimately that it's perfect for each one of us. And so we've been going through this kind of Christmas uh, theme that Aaron came up with called a Whoville Christmas and looking at the different uh, aspects of, of who and related to God's great gift to mankind. So um, he, first of all, he started off with, who do I need to share Jesus with? Thinking about other people around us. And then he looked at uh, two individuals who were so uh, important and, and central to the Christmas narrative uh, Mary and Joseph, and looking at their character and their characteristics and how we can have uh, faith like them, trusting God uh, for this gift. It wasn't easy for them, but it ultimately blessed them, and it also continues to bless us today. So I'm so thankful for them. And then last week, uh, Aaron brought the message related to offer, offering hope um, to all mankind, but he's, he's uh, really... Uh, uh, specifically looked at the shepherds, and the message was ultimately good news for all people. So looking at the shepherds as being a group of people that maybe was unexpected of who God would reveal this, this message of good news uh, that would be for all people. And so today, our question is, who did Jesus come to save? Now, if you were here in September when I preached, you remember I had like 30 different blanks uh, to fill in. I tried not to do that this time, although it was tempting. Um, so what I was thinking about doing, and I didn't do, uh, would be just have one blank. Who did Christ come to save? And I could put in everyone, and then I'd just be done, right? And then, then you could go, I could say Merry Christmas, and, and we could go on our way. But the Bible does give us a, a, a lot of information about this question, who did Jesus come to save? And so I did spend a little time and looked at some key verses that I think really uh, hone in on that message. Who did Jesus come to save? And, and then I looked at what that gift, there's different aspects of that. What that, those gifts of salvation represent to each one of us today. Whether you're a new believer, whether you've never accepted Christ, or whether you've been following Jesus uh, for many, many years. So before we get into God's word, uh, let's pray. Because I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit to guide our, our uh, sermon uh, discussion today. Our dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for bringing us here today to this place. I thank you for loving us and for showing that great love to us through your great gift, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we look forward to Christmas Day, that we wouldn't forget the meaning and the purpose of that special day, but we would be able to celebrate with joy and that we would have hope for the future, that we would have peace in our hearts and that we'd be willing to share that with other people as uh, Myra so uh, adequately explained about uh, the thinking about other people in our lives and how our uh, actions and how our behavior and how our attitudes can impact others. Lord, we know that there are many who are not looking forward to Christmas Day, and we just pray that we would be uh, used by you to bring some joy into their lives in whatever way we can, Father. 
Lord, I pray that you would guide our study of your word today, that it would be open and available to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate in our hearts and our minds, and that we could leave this place knowing you better, knowing ourselves, and having a better understanding of what this salvation that you've provided represents. I thank you so much for Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. So, when you think about this question, who did Jesus come to save? There are a few verses that that really just lay it right out for us, you know, setting the table uh, in an easy-to-consume way. The first one that I um, was uh, reminded of was from Matthew chapter 1, right in the Christmas narrative, when the angel uh, came to Joseph and revealed to him that Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So the first answer that we're going to look at today to the question, who did Jesus come to save, is Jesus came to save his people. Now, when you think about the name Jesus, does anybody know what that name means? It literally means God saves or God rescues. So God is a saving God. That is uh, one of the things that we should remember him for, that that is his business, and that is his action and activity, that God is a saving God. Even in the Old Testament, when you think about the God of the Old Testament, there are several verses. One that came to my mind was from Isaiah, where he says, Look unto me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. For I am God, and there is no other. So all along, he's been in the business of saving, of rescuing his people. We can see that time and time again in the Old Testament, And when this message comes to Joseph, it's the culmination of many, many years, many promises, many uh, prophecies about this God who saves. Now, the second part of this question, God saves his people. And you might ask yourself, who are God's people? Now, in my last sermon, I did spend quite a bit of time talking about that precise issue, and it's one that I'm really Uh, passionate about, because I think that once we understand our identity as followers of God, as uh, believers and and trusters in Jesus, that will make a big difference in our lives. So I spent a lot of time on that. I'm not going to spend quite as much time on that today, but the Bible describes two groups of people uh, that are considered or called God's people. And the first one is Israel. Now, in Exodus 6-7, and it's echoed in other scriptures, uh, Psalm 100, Hosea chapter 2, and many other places, God says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And so they were set apart from all the nations of the world, just this small little, uh, this little people group. Um, you know, when you think about uh, through, throughout the history of the world, you know, there are many uh, nations and peoples that have come and gone across the landscape of history. You know, how many uh, people that you, do you know that call themselves Hittites or Shunammites or Jebusites? Those are all people that would have been kind of contemporaries of the Israelites. And, you know, you don't, you don't hear that as a, as a people group anymore. There's a few that are still there. You know, the Egyptians are, are still around. Um, you know, the rising and falling of different empires. The, the Syrians, maybe part of Assyria um, and, and so forth. So there are still some that have been preserved and and are still existing today. But the Israelites, among all the nations, set apart uh, for no reason other than God chose them. 
Um, he says in his word that he didn't choose them because they were a great nation, because they were powerful, because they had anything uh, significant to offer to God. In fact, God chose them for precisely the opposite reason, that he could show his glory and his power through them. And so when the angel appears to Joseph in the vision, and he says that you will name him Jesus and he will save his people, uh, certainly Joseph was thinking, and, and rightly so, that, that God was fulfilling the promises to Israel, okay? Now, there's another group of people in the Bible that are called his people. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 10, God states, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And elsewhere, Paul talks about the Gentiles, the nations, everybody else that wasn't considered Israel, anyone who would come and receive this gift of salvation from God would become God's people. And so you, if you are a part of the church, not just Southview, but the church universal, if you're a part of the church, then you are considered uh, people of God. And there are many purposes for his people, and we went into that last time. But I think that this Christmas season, the thing that I want you to hear is that this gift is the gift of belonging. Belonging to God and God belonging to you. And that's a fabulous uh, sense of, of assurance and confidence when you can know for sure that you belong. Now, belonging has a couple different uh, definitions when you think about that word to belong. You know, we can think about fitting in. You know, if you show up into a new place, you know, if you move to a new town and go to a new school or go to a new job or, uh, you, you know, you want to belong. You want to fit in. You want to make, you want to, you want to feel like, you're in a good place, right? But there's also a sense of ownership, and I think that both are, are really uh, crucial and important. So when we think about uh, that message uh, given to Joseph, that Jesus uh, will save his people, that he will uh, enable us to have this relationship with God restored that we were intended for, that God loves us, that he cares for us, that that's been broken, and that now, through Jesus, uh, we can belong to God, that we can be his possession, and that we can also fit in. This is a place where I hope you can fit in, where you can feel at home. Some of you are visiting today, and, and I hope that you can feel welcome and, and like this is a place where you can belong. And uh, we have people that have gone out from us, and I hope that they still feel like this is a place where they can belong and fit in whenever they come back. So when Jesus says his people, he called him, they, he, we are called by his name, and now we have a place where we can belong, where we can grow, and where we can thrive. So accepting this gift of salvation enables us to truly belong to him, to be put back into the right relationship that we were intended to have. And acceptance and belonging, I think, are those crucial and core uh, needs that every human has, that if you're really honest with yourself, uh, that you have a longing to belong, to fit in, to be accepted, to know that you are loved and that we can uh, be ourselves. And so I hope that this is a place for you uh, to do that, where you can grow, where you can serve, and where you can thrive. This is what God wants, and he can only provide it. You can't do this on your own, and that's why Jesus came, to save his people. So the next group of people that I looked at uh, was from uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And that says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
what was lost. So Jesus came to save the lost is our next uh, blank in our outline. Now, the context of this passage is from Zacchaeus, right? Maybe you know the story. Uh, we always call him, a, how's, how do we call him? A wee little man. So he was short of stature, um, and uh, he climbed up into a tree so that he could get a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and not long after this, uh, he would be crucified. But Jesus was traveling, and he makes a stop for this, um, this interesting individual, a unique individual. This is the only place, actually, in the Bible where he's talked about. And now, as a tax collector, how do you think that he was uh, considered by his compatriots, his fellow countrymen? Now, Aaron said that uh, shepherds were pretty low on the totem pole last week, but I think tax collectors might have actually been lower. And the reason for that is that they were seen as traitors that to their country and to their people. They were working for their oppressors, the Romans. Uh, basically, you could buy uh, this position as a tax collector. You'd, you'd pay your money to the government, and then you'd go back out and get it from your from your friends and family. And you could get that <laughs> in any way that you saw fit, that you were able to. And so they were seen as really kind of, uh, you know, uh, not, so, not so good. That they were not high on the list of people that you would want to send a Christmas card to. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus from a different perspective. The verse right before, verse 10, says, Today... Salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. So Jesus looked at not his job, not his position, not his uh, unacceptability in the eyes of the society, or even his actions. You know, maybe Zacchaeus wasn't a good guy. But Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus on that day and looking for the Savior. He wanted to know what this Jesus was about, what his message was. And he considered him a son of Abraham, that the promises of Abraham uh, to be a blessing for all people were available to Zacchaeus. And salvation came to him that day because of his uh, searching. He had a great need for direction and purpose in his life. He was headed in completely the wrong, the wrong direction. And Jesus was able to help him get right back on the path. Now, think about this. Have you ever been really lost have you ever really and truly been lost? So I'm going to make a confession. I'm uh, what you might consider directionally challenged. I can get lost in any number of places. Uh, Chicago, I've been lost in Chicago, wandering around, not sure where I'm supposed to be going. I've been lost in Jerusalem. Uh, my wife and I were at a uh, kind of a conference, and we were dropped off in Jerusalem, and uh, we decided to not wait for the ride back, but uh, figure out how to get home on our own. And I was I walked out of that building, and I didn't know which direction was which and where we should go, but Nicole, she just has this innate sense of direction, and she started walking, oh, I think we should go this way. I'm like, okay, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, about 45 minutes later, uh, we made it. Uh, it's a miracle to me, but she knew where we were at, where we were going. I've been lost in Vienna and Budapest, um, even here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I grew up in Nebraska. I uh, uh, can still find myself not really sure where to go. One time, the kids and I, we were going over to the householder's house. And, you know, their neighborhood is one of those where, you know, you're going one way, and then all of a sudden you got to turn the other way. And 
for whatever reason, I just never get the, the correct, it's the second turn, not the first turn, right? I always think it's the first turn, and then I end up, so we were driving around, and <laughs> this was a, maybe a little bit before GPS on the phone, um, but I did have a cell phone, and the kids were like, just call mom, she'll tell you where to go. <laughs> yeah, mom will tell me where to go. <laughs> So we eventually made it, and uh, so yeah, you wouldn't necessarily want to, I saw maybe it was Warren had a post, I wonder what happened to all those people that I gave directions to. If you ever get directions from me, maybe you want to double check them from somebody else, but I'm not really, I can get lost. And so this, this sense of Jesus coming to save the lost really speaks to me, because there have been times in my life, not just physically, not just, you know, not knowing orientationally where I'm going, but in my life, where I've had a sense where I didn't know where I was headed. I didn't have any way back to the path. I was well and truly lost. And so this gift from Jesus to give us direction and purpose in our life is really meaningful to me. And I think, so this, certainly we talk about people who don't have a relationship with God as being lost, but there's also a sense of anybody who's off the path, So you could be out of fellowship with God. You could feel uh, maybe distant or far away from God. He hasn't moved. It's often us that we move. We turn in the opposite direction and go our own way. But Jesus allows us to get back onto the path. One of the stories uh, that really speaks to me about this in the Bible is when Thomas uh, was speaking to Jesus at the Last Supper. And you're probably familiar with this if you've seen our Easter drama. Um, Thomas says, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And what does Jesus respond with? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus came to seek the lost, to provide us direction and purpose, and ultimately he made a way, and he is the way, the only way to God the Father. So if you're feeling a little bit distant or disconnected or not uh, in tune with God, then this Christmas I urge you to receive the gift of direction and purpose that Jesus offers to each one of us. The third group that Jesus came to save is sinners, okay? In 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 and following, I think I just have 13, but Paul tells us, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, there aren't very many times that I want to argue with the Apostle Paul, but when he says, of whom I am the worst, there's there's times where I feel like maybe I want to argue about that. Maybe I feel like I'm the worst. Or I can think of people that have done uh, much worse things. But I think what he's showing us here is an example of his humility recognizing that he is a sinner, in fact. And he considered himself to be the very worst. A blasphemer, he calls himself, a murderer, uh, definitely giving authority and permission to kill those who were, were innocent and did not deserve death. And so he, that weighed on him. And so when, he, when he's sharing this with, with Timothy, his, his disciple, his son in the faith, I think he's really... Uh, confessing something real and authentic here, that he considered himself a sinner and that he was the worst. And so we need to understand and accept our situation. 
You know, maybe we haven't uh, given authority to kill somebody, but certainly we've all broken God's law. And Paul goes on at length in that in the book of Romans. But I think that we need to look at our situation for what it is. Martin Luther kind of described this in a way that's always kind of stuck with me as uh, for followers of Jesus Christ, that we are at the same time simultaneously justified and a sinner. That we have this, uh, this struggle that's at war within us. That we've been justified, we've been uh, set free from the penalty of our sin. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, but we still have uh, the, the struggle. And some of us are struggling today with sin in our lives. And if you're not struggling with sin in your lives, maybe you ought to consider what that means for you. That, that we're not, uh, we haven't arrived. We are currently being sanctified. We're being set apart. We're being made holy into the likeness of Christ. Uh, and it's God who works in us to both will and to act. And so we need to, to take this seriously, that at Christmas time, you know, we have joy, we have decorations, we have uh, parties and food and all of the great things that come along with Christmas. But we need to remember that Jesus came to save sinners, and that includes each one of us. And so when we look at, you know, the gospel message, the cruel, the cruel and harsh truth is that, that God loved the world, yes, and he sent his son to die for us because we couldn't pay the penalty for our own sin. That verse, John 3.16, I think uh, many, if not all of you, would at least be familiar with. Um, but the following verse, 17, uh, speaks to us in this moment when he says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the gift of Jesus is not condemnation. Yes, we need to recognize that we're a sinner, that we fall short. But the gift of Jesus is mercy and grace for all who will receive that and that only he can offer us. So if you've already received this gift of salvation for yourself, then you need to share that with others. And that was the message of who should we share this with. And this is a gift that, that uh, we can't keep to ourselves. It's, uh, it's not... It's not something that we just grab a hold to and, and keep in our closet, but that we wear proudly when we proclaim that we are Christ followers. If you haven't received the gift of, of mercy and grace, uh, I encourage you to do that, even today, as your Christmas gift from, from God, that Jesus came to save sinners. Now, Martin Luther talked about this idea of standing up for sinners. And even from his birth... Martin Luther wrote, Jesus was standing with sinners. Christ is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even put them in his family tree. Now, if the Lord does that here, so ought we to despise no one, but put ourselves right in the middle of the fight for sinners and help them. So when you think about this gift of mercy and grace that Christ alone offers, receive that for yourself, but also look around. Not just here, but outside of these walls. Who else needs this gift of mercy and grace? Mercy is, the, uh, is not receiving the penalty that we're owed. And grace is receiving a gift that we didn't earn or deserve. And there are a lot of people around us that maybe deserve some harshness, <laughs> some penalty, some, 
some, uh, something that would happen to uh, them. But, but we can be agents of mercy. And then we can also be uh, bringers of grace. To the, the unexpectedness of grace will just catch you by surprise. If you, if you are having a bad day or a bad week or a bad life, <laughs> to receive grace is something that they're not going to get anywhere else in this world but from God's people. And so Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says that he is the chief among them. So if we follow Paul's example, humbly acknowledge that we also are sinners saved by grace, our offer to other sinners of receiving this grace and mercy really becomes authentic and real. It becomes something that they, they truly want when you humble yourself and you, and you be, be real. Uh, sometimes we talk about this as one beggar helping another beggar find food. So that's an analogy I've heard before when, you, when you're thinking about sharing this with other people. Not that we have uh, righteousness in and of ourselves, but that we are being made into the righteousness of Christ through his power. And we can share that with other people in a way that's effective and meaningful. The world needs that. They need more mercy and grace. The fourth group kind of gets us back to where we started when I was teasing about just having one blank, everyone. So we end up with that question, who did Jesus come to save? We've seen that he came to save his people. We, came that he's, we saw that he came to save the lost. We see that he came to save sinners. And finally, Christ, uh, the scripture tells us, came to save all people. And in the next chapter over in 1 Timothy 2, I've been doing a little study in 1 Timothy, you can see. Um, verses 3 through 6 is where I'm going to go with this. Uh, Paul says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all People. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. This gift is the gift of Jesus that is available to each and every one of us. Now, according to Paul's letter to Timothy, there's a few key points that I want you to hear. This is a good gift. This is a gift that comes from the giver of good gifts, from God. And he wants you to have it. And it pleases him. Did you hear that when he says that... Um, this is good and pleases God our Savior. And when you think about when you give gifts, you know, you want that person to open it, to receive it. You want to see the smile on their face. You want to see the joy that it brings in their life. You want them to uh, appreciate it and, and maybe it's useful or maybe it's something that they wouldn't get for themselves or couldn't get for themselves. Those are the best kinds of gifts. And that's the kind of gift that God is uh, giving to each one of us. And it pleases him when we are pleased. That that's uh, part of the cycle of joy, if you will. That all of this cycles back up to God. That even our salvation, and I've talked about this if you've ever been in one of my Sunday school classes, but this idea that our salvation, yes, is a benefit and a blessing to us personally. But it also is for God's glory and ultimately uh, magnifies him. And so there's a purpose in that, that it's not just for us alone, but it also pleases God. Now, the other part is, is that it's a gift that we need, and only he can provide it. 
So many places in the Bible talks about our great need being separated from God through sin. And Jesus became a man born in Bethlehem that day 2,000 plus years ago. And he gave himself as a ransom for all people. When you think of a ransom, there's a lot of movies about ransoms nowadays. And they are always kind of uncomfortable. My wife will tell you it's always about the wife and the kids or whatever. But this is a ransom that... Uh, we can't pay, that there's no satisfaction for the payment that's due except for Christ himself. And so when we think about all those qualities that make a great, great gift, this is something we need. It's only he can provide it. We can't go out and get this one for ourselves. You know, that's one of the difficult parts about buying a gift for, for an adult is they'll just go out and get it themselves, and it's already done, right? In fact, some people, um, maybe uh, couples I've heard of that, they buy their own gift and then just say thank you for, for the gift, you know. So this isn't something that we can go out and get for ourselves. This is precious. It's priceless. And he already paid for it. And it's wrapped and it's waiting for us under our trees. And all we have to do is receive that gift. Now receiving a gift is something that I think is really important. This is where we're going to end up. Our uh, memory verse for the month is John 1.12. Let me put that up there for me. Let's say it together. So we'll start with the reference and then the verse and then the reference, and I'll try not to screw this up, okay? <laughs> so John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1.12. Very good. So... This idea of receiving is a, is a common thread throughout the whole uh, series. This idea of receiving um, the, the gift of belonging. We started off with, um, with the first uh, concept of, of, of receiving this gift of being um, the people of God. He came to save the lost so we can receive the gift of direction and purpose. He came to save sinners, and we can receive the gift of mercy and grace today. And Jesus came to save each and every one of us, and we can receive this gift of Jesus. And in our uh, memory verse, it talks about, for all who received him, for those that believed in his name. And so this idea of receiving and believing becomes the critical final piece of how to uh, enjoy to take a hold of these great gifts that God provides for us in his son, Jesus. When you think about receiving a gift, uh, the best analogy that I have for this is when you open up a package, let's say it's a, a sweater. And, you know, maybe you've received a sweater before. And uh, you take it out and you kind of look at it and your face is sort of neutral. You're not really sure if this is the sweater for you. Um, if you don't, you know, maybe you have to put it on to get the picture, and then you're done with it. You never take it out and put it on and wear it in public. You know, wearing it in public, that's when you really receive that gift. When you really step outside uh, and people see you with the sweater on, right? That's when you've received the gift. Now, it's kind of the same thing with Jesus. You know, Jesus offers this to us, all of these uh, attributes and aspects of the gift that he's given us. But if we never step out in public with that Jesus on, um, nobody knows that that's uh, something that you uh, received. 
then in a sense, you haven't really received it. You've never really, you've never really declared, you've never really gone on record. You're not in public with that. Same thing maybe with the relationship with somebody. If you haven't put it on Facebook in a relationship, it's not really real, right? No. <laughs> but this sense of receiving a gift is more than just uh, accepting the box and putting it aside. It is taking a hold of it, enjoying it, experiencing it, using it, all the different ways that you think of depending on what kind of gift it is. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Um, it's there. It's available to all, but not everyone takes a hold of that. Not everyone receives it. And so today, I want you to consider receiving the gift of Jesus and all of the things that that implies. He came to save his people. If you're considered a a child of God, then you are one of his people. And he wants you to have that gift of belonging. If you are lost, if you are distant, if you are far from God today, he wants you to find direction and purpose in your life. If you are a sinner, and if I look around this room and see anybody that says they're not a sinner, I would be surprised. If you are a sinner, then you can receive the gift of mercy and grace today. And finally, he came to save all people. And that gift, Jesus, is a one size fits all in one sense, but it is perfectly tailored for each individual. And so I want you to consider that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have the... Uh, worship team come up and uh, uh, lead us in a song of invitation. But let's pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us as we respond to his word. May the preaching of his word always go out and return effective. Our dearly Father, I do thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had to explore your great gift that Jesus came to save his people, that he came, that Anyone who is lost, anyone who is separated apart from God could find direction and purpose in their life. And Lord, for us who would humble ourselves, recognize that we are sinners, I pray that you would just flood us with mercy and grace, that we would know your presence in our lives. And as each one of us is offered this gift, that we would ultimately receive the gift of Jesus. Thank you so much for this uh, for this uh, Christmas season where we can renew our commitment, where we can consider our relationship with you. And I thank you most of all for Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.